Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday. It is December the 10th, 2021, and the hits just keep on coming. Uh, I thank you so much for joining me. I hope you've all had a good week. Um, I hope things are going well in your world. But um, America is suffering um, from a level of incompetence, malfeasance, misfeasance, nonfeasance that I never thought Uh, we could possibly see happen to this country. And I'm not even being political about this. I'm just looking at the facts. I'm looking at how our government is failing the needs of its own citizens and how for, for decades now, when you stop and think about it, our government has been more focused on providing for the bribers, the political campaign contributors, and not providing for the average American. Abraham Lincoln spoke aspirationally about America that possessed a government that was of the people, by the people, and for the people. You would think it's common sense that the best interests of America and Americans should motivate our politicians irrespective of political party affiliation. But you'd be hard-pressed to see where, for a couple of decades now at least, that fundamental principle has been the guiding force for our supposed leaders. When you bring in an army of foreign workers to displace American workers, you know you're in trouble. America never did that before. We always looked inward. Yes, we would attract the very talented, the exceptional people from all over the world. You always want to do that. If you're running a, a sports team, If you're running a baseball team and you see a slugger out there who has an incredible batting average, you want him. You want him on your team. If you have a great pitcher, you want him on your team. But when you talk about replacing your team with a whole bunch of new players and putting your team on the unemployment line, (laughs) wow, is it still the same team? Is it still the same country when we are told about the work Americans are either too stupid to do or too lazy to do? And we've been hearing this nonsense for far too long. America was the envy of the world. We did everything better, and we did it first, and we were the innovators. We built the Panama Canal. Our inventors, the Wright brothers, first took us into the sky. We were the first to launch communication satellites. We landed Americans on the moon. And, yes, we used uh, German scientists, arguably war criminals, but there was a small number of them because they had many years of experience. So it was seen by the government that those scientists, those engineers who worked in the German rocket program could jumpstart the American space program and perhaps save as many as 20 years of time to develop. It was a rational decision, uh, although a problematic one. Uh, Those of you familiar with me know I I happen to be Jewish. I was named for my mother's mother who was killed in Poland because of the Holocaust. So I'm not a big fan of of those characters 
who were building rockets that were really terror weapons. The V-1, which was really the first cruise missile, if you will, it had a ramjet engine, was just sent off in the general direction of London, and when they ran out of fuel, they crashed. And the V-2 was very similar to the Redstone rocket used by Alan Shepard and Gus Grissom to, to fly into a suborbital flight that took them about 115 miles up. And it was also aimed at the civilian population of London. They weren't aiming at military targets. These were terror weapons. So we need to be clear-eyed when we talk about history, which is why when I, I see this nonsense about the cancel culture, and we're going to talk about history, and we're going to erase history, and we're going to erase statues, and we're going to ignore the past. If you ignore the past, then you don't learn from the mistakes of the past. If you ignore the past, then you don't learn from the progress that we've made in overcoming obstacles and righting the wrongs. The 1619 Project, the good old New York Times, the gray lady so-called, focuses on what happened 400 years ago, the 1619 Project. We've come quite a distance since then. And the people that were responsible for slavery are all dead. So how in the world do you turn around and say, well, this country is no good because it began with slavery coming to the United States? By the way, the United States wasn't unique. Slavery was a widespread scourge practiced around the world. It wasn't as though America invented slavery. I mean, you can go back to the Bible to find slavery but it was America that fought to stop slavery around the world, to liberate the slaves. But if you listen to the garbage being peddled by critical race theory, you would still think that we have slaves in America today. It's astonishing. We're going to ignore history. We're going to pick on the negative parts of American history and attribute current America, the present country, say that, this country is no good because this is what happened hundreds of years ago. Well, this is what happened a hundred years ago. We're going to hold an entire country responsible for the sins of prior generations. And many Americans can't go back more than one generation. I'm first generation American. My family had nothing to do with slavery. So there's this divide and conquer purge, if you will, being carried out by the Democrat Party attacking the average American, white America, white privilege. Oh, my goodness. I, I would recommend, by the way, and I'm, I'm going off a bit on a tangent, forgive me, but I, I've given up on watching the news every night. It's just too frustrating and depressing and very often too inaccurate. Watch the Shark Tank. It's a very interesting program. Just about everybody, all the sharks, the millionaires and billionaires that are on the program started from poverty. That's the brilliance of America. This wasn't like they were the fifth generation to be worth all this money. Many of these people started out living on welfare with their parents or with a parent. Some were immigrants who came here. And all of them within their own lifetime became super wealthy in this system that we have here in the United States. Why aren't we celebrating that? That the opportunities are here that anybody can come up with, as they used to say, the better mousetrap and reap great rewards. That's what capitalism does. And now we have a situation where the Democrat Party is trying to take this country and turn it into a communist country. 
all those opportunities would evaporate. Now, I've written about this in the past. Part of why people are so dissatisfied with America and our system of capitalism is that the system of capitalism that we now experience really isn't capitalism. It's crony capitalism. <clears throat> it's corporate welfare. Corporations make massive campaign contributions and get exactly what they want, and very often what they want is to trash the environment or to be able to bring in an army of foreign workers to displace American workers or to be able to move their operations overseas so we now have supply chain issues in part because of that. I mean, we're relying on China, our adversary, for most of the products that we need on a day-to-day basis in the United States. This is outrageous. China could very easily turn the spigot off and you won't be able to buy a pair of socks or a computer chip. How did we paint ourselves into that kind of a corner? And if you watch the news coverage of Build Back Better, which is what I want to talk to you about tonight, uh, understand that the media is barely mentioning that there is a massive immigration amnesty attached to Build Back Better. And if you listen to the politicians and the pundits, oh, my God, if they would only build up the infrastructure, America would do great. Well, first of all, a lot of what's in the bill has nothing to do with infrastructure. It has to do with the Green New Deal. It has to do with cutting off sources of energy, which are essential for day-to-day life and and security of the United States. When you're self-sufficient, you don't have to go to anybody for anything. That was something my mother taught me because that was the lesson she learned when she came to the United States as a 13-year-old and lived by herself in a rooming house, just oozing white privilege. It infuriates me, that whole notion. We cannot hold people accountable for those factors that are beyond their control. We can't control our skin color or our eye color or our hair color or whether we're tall or short. And all we hear about is we need to elect a woman president. We need to elect someone of this color or that color. Folks, these aren't attributes and these aren't achievements and they're not qualifiers. I feel like I'm at a dog show, and I'm not really big on pedigree animals either. But, but now it's all about what is your ancestry, what is your race, what is your religion, what is your ethnicity. These aren't achievements. This is supposed to be a meritocracy. The late great mayor of New York, Ed Koch, and I didn't always agree with Ed, and, and it was interesting. He said, if you agree with me 70% of the time, vote for me. If you agree with me 90% of the time, see a psychiatrist. I think that was pretty much his quote. I mean, he he certainly furthered the sanctuary policies, um, which I wasn't happy with. But on other issues, I thought Koch was was a damn good mayor, certainly a hell of a lot better than Mike Bloomberg or anybody else who's occupied Gracie Mansion since, especially the current buffoon, (laughs) de Blasio, or dumb Blasio, depending on how you want to pronounce his name. Thank God he's leaving. But Ed Koch said that he was an old-time liberal, which kind of, parallels my own philosophies politically. And they asked him, well, what is an old-time liberal? He said, well, an old-time liberal believes that you do everything you have to do to level the playing field. You let everybody play, and whoever wins, wins. That makes sense. Because that way, you help boost people out of poverty. You give them the opportunities to excel, to flourish, to achieve great things. But you can't say, well, we don't have enough doctors who have yellow polka dots So we'll just take a bunch of kids in school that have yellow polka dots and we'll make them into doctors without education, without the ability. It doesn't matter. We just need to have doctors who who look a certain way. 
Would that make sense? We're going to have airline pilots not based on their skill or their abilities or their. We're just going to do it because we have to meet quotas of race or quotas of ethnicity or whatever. You want to fly in that airplane? I don't. We should be doing everything we can as a nation to boost every American child up, lift them out of poverty, provide them with tutors, with computers, with with a study hall at night if they're not in a safe environment. You know, the, the Clintons talked about have basketball courts open. Baloney. Have a place where kids can study, where it's peaceful and safe and secure and there's available snacks. It's hard to study when your stomach hurts because you didn't have a good meal. We need to help children living in poverty. And I know there are conservatives who would disagree, and that's cool. We're Americans. We're supposed to be able to disagree as adults, as Americans. That's what the First Amendment is about. But we should be doing everything in our power to assist American children. And when we don't do it, these kids fail. And if you look at the people that commit the, the, the robberies and the burglaries and that sort of thing, many of them are functionally illiterate. There's a correlation between education and success, a correlation between education and crime, opportunities and crime. And we're not addressing the issue. <clears throat> and by open borders, we're making it worse. By throwing open the doors, we are making Americans compete with foreign workers for jobs. It shouldn't be the case. By having open borders, we've educated Chinese engineers, and we've allowed them to work for companies, including companies that get military contracts, so they could commit massive espionage against the United States. And if you look at their airplanes, if you look at their technology, it's stolen. They got it here. We, we educated their programmers, and then they go home and hack our computers. This is madness because corporations have lost their soul. Not all of them, but many have. All they care about is the bottom line. They slap an American flag on the shrink wrap when they think it's going to boost sales, but they have as much loyalty to America um, as, I don't know, maybe China has. They don't care. All that they want is more income, more revenue, and that's fine. I'm a capitalist. But very often they pump out garbage to maximize profits. So the products aren't what they used to be. Companies like GE, which were incredible powerhouses, are teetering on bankruptcy because of cost of making products as cheaply as possible. This isn't what America is supposed to be about. We've become the country that knows the price of everything and the value of nothing. And if you look at the policies, the Democrats used to be the firewall against open borders. It was Bernie Sanders back around 2006 that stood at the podium with the leaders of the AFL-CIO and said, if you hire illegal aliens, you should be punished for it. You're destroying jobs and wages of Americans. You're killing America's middle class. And he was right. Whether you like Bernie Sanders or not isn't the issue. He was right on that issue, and where has he gone? Completely jumped ship, and he's on the other side now. Flood America with foreign workers. What happened? Harry Reid, the same thing. When he was a new senator, stood on the floor of the Senate, and he was against birthright citizenship, the 14th Amendment. <clears throat> if you're an illegal alien, your kids should not be Americans by virtue of the fact that you had the child in our country. And he said it's insane to give anything to anybody who shouldn't be here. They need to be deported. What happened? I have a hunch. 
I think that the Democrat Party, first of all, they're all governing under the influence of massive campaign contributions, and they're trying to placate the people that bribe them because that's what this kind of money is. It's a bribe. It's interesting, as a federal agent, I couldn't take a cup of coffee on duty. How many billions of dollars flood into the coffers of both political parties? And some of the politicians, boy, they're slick. I don't take big campaign contributions. I just take $20 or whatever. Right. But the party writes checks to these people for millions of dollars. Where do you think the party is getting the money from? Corporations and major players. And if you don't think that the leadership of the party doesn't sit these members of Congress down and say, hey, listen, we're going to give you funding for your campaign, but this is what you have to do. Because otherwise, we're not going to get that money. We need that money. That money is the lifeblood of our campaigns. So whether they take the money directly or take the money from the political party, the political party becomes basically a money laundering operation, and it's both parties. Let's, let's wake up to what reality looks like. But the idea that we are going to bring in an army of foreign workers to displace American workers is criminal in my judgment. It's outrageous. It's a betrayal. It's a betrayal. The current immigration laws, and we keep hearing we have to modernize the laws, the current laws say that you should not be hiring, or you cannot hire people if there are Americans who are ready, willing, and able to do the jobs that you want done. Protect the American worker. Makes sense. So why did they change? Well, part of it is to placate the campaign contributors. And the other part, I think the Democrat Party, I mean, the only conclusion I could come to, and I could be wrong, but it seems to me that they want to crash the economy. They want to turn America into Venezuela, and this is by design. Why? Because just about everybody is going to need to go to the government for subsidies to be able to turn the lights on at night or put food on the table. And once you have to go to the government for the money, the government will attach strings because these people are the quintessential control freaks. I think I mentioned it last week. When I was a kid growing up in Brooklyn, <clears throat> my mother gave me an allowance <clears throat> She was able to tell me what I could or could not do with the money because she gave it to me. You can't buy all those comic books, Mike, you know, that kind of thing. But once I got my own job working when I was 14 in a, in a kosher deli, where else would a Jewish kid from Brooklyn get a job? That was my money. And I could spend it any way I wanted. My mother might have said, you know, you ought to be saving. And, and she taught me the value of saving money. But she could no longer say, I'm not going to give you an allowance if you keep wasting your money on things I don't agree with. Because she wasn't giving me the money. That's the beauty of free enterprise. It gives you independence and freedom. <clears throat> so the, the government handouts, it, it's kind of like the, the drug pusher who hooks kids in high school or junior high on drugs, gives them free samples. And once they have an addiction, they own them. Americans are becoming you know, convinced that the money is going to be there from the government, but the government is going to tell you how you can and can't spend the money. And the Democrat Party keeps talking about the environment. They remind me of Chicken Little running around. Now, let me be clear. I believe that the environment is very important. When you look at cancer rates, I lost many family members to cancer, and I'm a cancer survivor. Um, I'm sure that cancer... There's a nexus, okay? When you look at lung disease, when you look at uh, Alzheimer's, when you look at autism, you have to wonder <clears throat> if there isn't a, an environmental component 
Um, organic chemistry is the chemistry of subtlety. If you look at the DNA of, I, I think I read somewhere that chimpanzees share something like 97% of our DNA. Imagine that. 3% change in DNA and you go from one species to the other. <clears throat> so very slight changes in DNA can have a devastating impact on, uh, on, on people, on our lives, on our safety, on the environment. So I'm, I believe in the environment, but we have to be smart about it. This whole thing with climate change, you know, if, if you go back in history and if you look at how many factors are involved in climate, uh, I'm not so sure that this whole notion about carbon in the environment is the big driver. The sun is a variable star. We've, we've, I've talked about this before. And when the earth warms up, perhaps because the sun puts out a little bit more energy or the orbit of the earth can actually change somewhat. And I don't know how they, the astrophysicists did this, but they did figure out that the earth does vary in its orbit around the sun ever so slightly. But slight changes result in slight changes in temperature. And if you make the earth a little bit warmer, biomass decays a little bit more rapidly and outgasses more carbon dioxide. When the earth gets a little bit warmer, the, the carbon dioxide dissolved in the oceans come out of the oceans. It's like leaving a soda can on the back porch during the summer and you go to open it up and it sprays out of the can forcefully because when you warm up a, a liquid that has gas dissolved in it, it can't hold on to the gases readily so the gas escapes. There's Tremendous volumes of carbon dioxide dissolved in our oceans, dissolved in the Arctic ice. If the earth gets a little bit warmer, the water releases carbon dioxide in huge quantities. So, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Now, should we clean up the environment? Absolutely. But electric cars create new problems. Batteries involve toxic, dangerous chemicals. And you still have to generate electricity in order to charge all the vehicles. So this isn't a very simple solution. You know, I'm thirsty, I'll pour some water. Well, where's the water coming from? You follow the point. There's a whole sequence of events and a whole chain of situations. <clears throat> so it's not that clear cut. We're going to stop having gasoline-driven cars, but where are we going to get the power to charge the batteries? And what happens with the construction process of the batteries and those environmental concerns? And no one talks about those. No one talks about those. So we have to be adult about this, and we have to start to pay more attention to the science. When we're told, follow the science, please realize that scientists frequently disagree. If you go into court, there are expert witnesses on both sides of the argument where it matters if science are concerned. If you go to a doctor, you will look for a second opinion. I had cancer, my doctor's first advice. And this guy was amazing. He ultimately saved my life. He was one of the scientists who devised the PSA test and he was the chairman of urology at a major hospital here in New York. He ultimately did my surgery, but he said to me, Mr. Cutler, before you agree to have me take care of you, please get a second or even a third opinion so you're satisfied that you're doing what's in your own best interest. What does that mean, a second opinion? Because some other doctor might have a different opinion about what the best treatment is. <clears throat> about what the situation is. That's the way it works. There's competing theories about how the universe works. String theory and other theories are in opposition with still other theories by other physicists who all have PhDs and many years of experience. It's not clear-cut. 
So when people say follow the science, science isn't monolithic. It's not a science like a religion. You either believe or you don't believe. It doesn't work that way. The vaccine, the face masks. How many times has Fauci bounced back and forth like a ping pong ball in a tournament? We don't need masks. We do. Wear one mask. Wear two masks. Wear an N95. No, you don't need that. I mean, back and forth. What day of the week is it? What news conference is it? Who is my standing in front of? And the story keeps changing. <clears throat> I've mentioned it before. I wrote an article about the science Nazis and how Einstein was forced to flee from Germany because the Nazi regime of Adolf Hitler accused Einstein and other Jewish physicists of practicing Jewish science, whatever the hell that is. And they actually got two physicists who were avowed Nazis and they had been awarded the Nobel Prize in Physics, these two scientists, <clears throat> they attacked Stein so forcefully that he felt his life was in peril, and they mocked him. And what did they mock him about? His theories on relativity. Well, modern physicists have proven just about every single element of Einstein's general and special theories on relativity. But in Nazi Germany... Nazi scientists accused that belief of basically being witchcraft and accused him of practicing Jewish science, and they needed to run him out of town because he was poisoning the minds of the German people. Wow. And now we know that Einstein got it right. So when you hear people tell you, follow the science, what science exactly are they telling you to follow? Where are we following it? Off the cliff? So we're hearing all this nonsense about we need Build Back Better. It's huge. It's transformational. They spoke about it last week on, on this program. And, and, in fact, the article that I talked about last week uh, is one you should review if you haven't seen it because it has lots of details. But my article last week was Biden's Build Back Better Speeds the Fencing of America. Now, what did I mean by the fencing of America? I wasn't talking about the border wall. What I was talking about is that in law enforcement, the term fence is a person who sells stolen property. And who's doing that? Our own government is selling our country right out from under us. And they're selling with our country the future of our children and our grandchildren, bringing in foreign workers, promoting policies that make it ever more difficult for Americans to become upwardly mobile, to educate American children, to turn schools into indoctrination centers rather than educational centers. <clears throat> Why are we doing this? Why are we allowing this? And so this whole talk about Build Back Better, and most of the journalists are ignoring a major component of Build Back Better. Even the conservative programs don't want to tell you the full impact here because they're all in favor of comprehensive immigration reform also. So Biden wanted to legalize 11 million illegal aliens was what he claimed, and I've written about that because even Yale University back in 2018 said that there was at least twice as many illegal aliens here, 22 million perhaps, maybe more. That was in 2018. Now, <laughs> after all those caravans, and all those flooded, those human, that human tsunami flooding across the border, <clears throat> we probably have seen a couple million more people come here. Now, the problem is that what Biden's bill would do, they said, well, if the aliens came prior to 2011, they would qualify to participate. 
and they've cut down the number from 11 million to only 6.5 million. That's their story. That's a lot of nonsense. The 11 million number was nonsense, and the 6.5 million is nonsense. They said, well, they got that number from the Congressional Budget Office. I'd like to know how they did that, that math. The Reagan amnesty, I will remind you, was supposed to involve approximately a million illegal aliens. By the time it was done, we wound up legalizing over three and a half million, more than three times the number. So now they're talking about six and a half million or 11 million. What if it's three times that number or four times or five times? We have no idea. What would prevent an alien from running the border and then lying on an application and saying, oh, I, I came in in 2010, when in reality they came here three weeks ago. Now, understand, it's wonderful to establish requirements, but only if you can verify that the people are telling you the truth. Otherwise, the requirement is nonsense. You're putting potential dishonorable people on the honor system. Dishonorable people on the honor system is a prescription for a disaster. Without interviews and without the ability to go out and knock on doors and ask people, do you know this person? Here's a photograph of Charlie Smith. Claims he came to America from England 10 years ago. Do you know him? And then people can say, yeah, I know him, I don't know him, whatever, and you do your investigation. I know, I, I did cases like that. You can't do that with 11 million or 12 million or 15 million or 30 million. You can't do in-person interviews. You can't do any. It'll all be a paper transaction. So all that the alien is going to have to do is answer the questions and come up with the right answers. DACA had over a 95% approval rate. Think about that. You think everybody was being honest? Or we just weren't very good at uncovering the fraud. And by the way, I remind you, the 9-11 Commission identified immigration fraud as the key method of entry and embedding to terrorists. In fact, immigration fraud and visa fraud was the focus of my very first hearing when I testified before Congress back on May 20th, 1997, four and a half years before the attacks of 9-11. And that hearing was predicated on two terror attacks that were carried out in the United States in 1993, a shooting at the CIA by a Pakistani by the name of Kansi, and the first bombing at the Trade Center that injured over 1,000, killed six people, and inflicted a half billion in damages. Half billion with a B. So we know that people lying on applications is a huge problem. And now we come to Alejandro Mayorkas, the head of Homeland Security, or Homeland Surrender, as I call it. And he's already made a statement publicly that if people lie on applications for United States citizenship, we saw that with the Nazis, we saw it with the terrorists, they lie. They conceal their identities, they conceal affiliations with uh, terrorists or, or fascist regimes and so forth. He said, if they lie, we will not take away their citizenship, We've made them citizens, and they need to feel secure in our country. And when he was the head of Citizenship and Immigration Services for Obama, he was notorious for ordering the adjudicators to approve applications that legally never could have been or should have been approved. He demoted people. He moved them around. He punished them. He intimidated them. And the employees of Citizenship and Immigration Services went to the Office of Inspector General OIG, which is the equivalent of internal affairs, and complained mightily and said, this guy is ordering us to do illegal things. And OIG agreed. And guess what happened? He was confirmed because even when that issue was raised by the Republicans during confirmation, so they took Mayorkas, this administration did, and elevated him from the head of citizenship and immigration services to the head of homeland security, which has under it 
the, the, the uh, Department of Citizenship and Immigration Services. And the new head of CBP that Biden just selected, by the way, was a police chief in Arizona who was, had notoriety because when the Border Patrol came to him and said, look, we just lost a fugitive. We need your people to help us look for him, which is a typical thing in law enforcement. We always pitch in and work together. This police chief said, no, I'm not going to help you. I don't believe in what immigration does. So now he's the head of, home, of, of Customs and Border Protection. He's running the Border Patrol. He runs the inspectors at ports of entry. The guy that refused to assist the Border Patrol now leads the Border Patrol. And I use the term leads very loosely. But this isn't being covered in the media. And they, the Build Back Better bill, as far as I'm concerned, if everything else was wonderful and all that was in it that I disagreed with was this immigration amnesty, that is bad enough to justify vetoing the bill. And so now let's look at the article that I just wrote this week because the Democrats want to portray themselves. The hypocrisy is endless. They want to portray themselves as environmentalists. Green New Deal. Uh, I think uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, wanted to have trains go between <laughs> the United States and Hawaii. That was the big joke. We're going to get rid of all those airplanes. They're polluting. Yeah, okay, sure thing. So, uh, you know, we, we have these people talking about the environment. We're going to spend billions of dollars to clean up the environment. Trillions of money is no object. We're going to clean up the environment. Has anyone stopped to think about the impact of flooding America with tens of millions of immigrants? Because if we legalize, let's say, 20 million new immigrants or 25 million new immigrants, right? We legalize the illegal aliens, call them immigrants now. They will immediately have an absolute right to bring in all of their children and all of their spouses. So if the average illegal alien claims four kids, and let's say we legalize 25 million, which isn't unreasonable given the numbers I've just explained to you, we're talking about an influx potentially of 100 million children. And then many of these aliens are claimed to have spouses back home and bring them here as well. So I don't think the number 100 million is unreasonable. It might even be considerably higher. Now, when I write for Front Page Magazine or I write also for usinc.org, U.S. Incorporated, uh, front page lists the comments to my articles. And a couple of weeks ago, I wrote about this, and someone had commented, oh, that's ridiculous. Cutler's getting it wrong. There aren't that many children in Latin America that would come to America. Well, that might be accurate, but let's remember that the aliens that we're dealing with who are coming across that border who could participate in Build Back Better Amnesty come from all over the world, including countries that sponsor terrorism. They come from China, they come from Russia, they're coming from Iran, they're coming from the Middle East, they're coming from the Caribbean, they're coming from Asia, they're coming from everywhere. It would not be beyond belief to have 100 million kids come to America. They all need more than a pillow to sleep on. If you want to talk about the environment, let's talk about the environment. Now, what made me think about the environment is I'm old enough, and many of you perhaps are also, if you remember the snail daughter which was this little fish that when a, a dam was going to be built, there was an environmental impact study that was done, and it was determined that the snail darter might go extinct. <clears throat> and this is one of the reasons why the dam never got built. There were a number of reasons, but this also figured into the equation. 
we had to protect this little fish that was basically the size of a paper clip from going extinct, the infamous snail daughter. This is around 1973. So in my article, I, I mentioned that um, on August 31st of this year, the Center for Biological Diversity issued a press release, and the title was Historic Accomplishment Snail Daughter Recovered Fish Made Famous in the Teleco Dam Controversy No Longer Endangered. And it started out by saying, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service proposed today to remove the snail daughter from the endangered species list due to its recovery. Thanks to government and collaborative efforts, the little fish is no longer in danger of extinction. The three-inch-long fish named after its primary food source, small riverine mollusk, gained fame in the 1978 U.S. Supreme Court case, Tennessee Valley Authority versus Hill. The court upheld the newly passed Endangered Species Act at the request of conservationists and others who sought to protect the fish and its last free-flowing habitat in the Little Tennessee River, along with 300 family farms and countless Cherokee ancestral sites from the construction of the Tennessee Valley Authority's highly controversial, highly controversial Teleco Dam. So they prevented the extinction of the snail daughter. And I said, you know, that's amazing. There was an environmental impact study that was done. They looked at the facts and they said, you know what, if we go ahead with the dam, we will drive this animal into extinction. That's fine. Some people were unhappy. Some people were happy. Typical. You know, everyone has a different position. And in America, we're entitled to do that. I keep reminding that. So why aren't we doing an environmental impact study about what three, uh, what 100 million new immigrants would do to the United States. I remember having this discussion with a young lady who was an attorney. I debated her on a show, and then I, I drove her home afterwards. It was in the dead of winter. She lived, the, the show was in New Jersey, and the roads were covered with ice. By the time I got her home, we had several hours of sitting in traffic to talk. And she said, America's so huge, we can build buildings everywhere. Look at the vast plains. Look at all the open spaces. We can put up housing. I said, do you realize that each human being here needs more than a pillow to sleep on. Every person who's here needs water and food and electricity and housing and clothing and transportation and access to health care. If it's children, they need education. I believe, if I remember the number correctly, that each person needs a minimum of 85 gallons of water per day. There are droughts in the West right now. Six did a major story about how the West is going dry. Imagine bringing in tens of millions of people and each one needs 85 gallons of water a day. Each one needs acreage of land to grow the food that they have to eat to survive. Electricity has to be generated so that they can put on the lights and have refrigeration and air conditioning and heating, which, by the way, impacts the environment if you're burning oil or doing something else to get heat and energy, so that has an impact on the environment. So if we're so concerned about the environment that Build Back Better and the Green New Deal dedicates God knows how much money to cleaning up the environment, why aren't we looking at the environmental impact of opening our borders to tens of millions of immigrants? Isn't that an interesting and reasonable question? How in the world do you ignore the environmental impact 
that the admission of tens of millions, perhaps 100 million new immigrants would have on the economy and the ecology, the environment of the United States. How much of an environmentalist are you really if you're willing to ignore the environmental impact that admitting so many aliens into the United States are likely to have? We have a water shortage. And we're hearing about how we have to provide clean drinking water. Well, we do. That should be a birthright in America. This is America. Children shouldn't have to worry that the water they drink isn't safe. But where are we going to get the water from when we already have water issues? None of this makes any sense. And yet you're not going to hear this on the conservative programs either. No one's talking about the environment. No one's talking about how many aliens would actually come here. And I'll let you in on a secret. I know producers at several conservative programs, and I called them up. This was months ago. And I said, Biden wants to legalize 11 million aliens. They're here illegally. I said, so how many people would get green cards if, if they did that? And I said, but this is not like the question, what was the color of George Washington's white horse? And most of them said, well, it's not 11 million? I said, no. They said, we don't understand. And I explained how once you legalize aliens, they have an absolute right to bring their children here, their minor children. We're not talking about the extended families, aunts, uncles. Everyone says that to me. No, it doesn't work that way. Don't overstate the case, folks. It's really important if you're having conversations with your neighbors and you start talking about how they're going to bring in their aunts and uncles. It's not in the law. It's bogus. It's foolish. And you destroy your credibility. But certainly, when an alien immigrates to the United States, he or she is legally entitled to bring their minor children and their spouses with them. And that makes sense. The way I look at it, and the way the law should be, is that you could only be able to bring someone with you when you become a U.S. citizen um, that could go on your health insurance plan. If you couldn't go on their health insurance plan, they shouldn't be able to get you a green card. And, and family members can visit aliens who become Americans by getting tourist visas or coming under the visa waiver program. There's nothing that says they need a green card to visit. Nobody talks about that either. Because the dirty little secret is that the conservatives, as well as the liberals, all want open borders. They've all been bought and paid for by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Think about that. People don't even realize, you know. Your, your brother moves to the United States, he's gotten married, he becomes a United States citizen, he's 45, you're 53, whatever. Now, he becomes a citizen. He can petition for you right now so that you can come to America with your husband or, or your wife and, and your seven children. Why? If you want to come and visit, come as a non-immigrant. You can stay for several months, don't work, don't go on welfare, don't commit crimes. You're welcome to stay. Have a nice time and then go home. It's like if you have a child who moved out of state because he or she got married, has a new job, whatever, you don't move in with them. You visit them for Christmas. You visit with them for New Year's or Hanukkah or whatever, and then you go home. But nobody wants to talk about it because the goal is to keep flooding America with more and more people. Think about airplanes. I remember when I first began using airliners decades ago, you were treated like a guest on the airplane. Everybody was friendly, and they gave you a nice meal, and then you had enough space to be comfortable. You get on an airplane now, you kind of think that your suitcase is getting better treatment if, if you had to check your suitcase. You sit there with your knees in your mouth, right? 
and they, they give you a little bag of peanuts, and they say, this is it. This is your meal. Have a nice time. You know, they don't care. How many people can we crowd on an airplane? And every year they come up with new seats. <laughs> One of the wackiest things I ever saw, it almost looked like the ride on the merry-go-round minus the horse. It was a saddle with a stick attached to the ceiling, floor to ceiling with a saddle. I kid you not. And they said that the airline industry was considering this kind of seating for short flights of under four hours or something. Under four hours, they're going to sit on a saddle like a, on, a, on a merry-go-round? Are you out of your mind? If they could anesthetize us and, and put us in the cargo hold, they would stack us like firewood if they could get away with it. They don't care. Again, I tell you that we've become the country that knows the price of everything and the value of nothing. That's what we're doing to our cities. That's what we're doing to our country. Overwhelming the country with people. Traffic jams, which, by the way, leads to more pollution and less efficient transportation, which means you burn more gas or need more electricity because you're stuck in wall-to-wall traffic. Quality of life. What quality of life? If you were really wealthy, you could have a helicopter and fly above all that nonsense. You're not wealthy? Too bad. You're a surf. And there's always room for more oarsmen on a slave ship, and that's all you are to them. They don't care. They live well. Your problems are not their problems, okay? Let's be clear. So we're in a situation where the mainstream media refuses to talk about what the real impact of Build Back Better would be. Most news programs don't even mention immigration. And when they do, they quickly gloss over it and say, well, it could provide up to 6.5 million illegal aliens with lawful status. The bogus nonsense number. It doesn't work. It's a lie. And nobody is talking about what this means to the environment. If the so-called liberal stations were really concerned about the environment, they should be screaming bloody murder and saying, wait a minute, what are you doing? We don't have enough water. And And we burn energy to create electricity. We're going to wind up destroying the environment if we allow tens of millions of new immigrants to suddenly flow into the United States. It's going to destroy the educational system. They don't care. They're not representing the average American. The government doesn't represent the average American. And the news reports are basically propaganda services that are there to push the agenda for one party or the other. Not the fact the agenda I remember watching Dragnet with Jack Webb you know he was a sergeant in the LAPD and he would say just the facts ma'am well now it's just the propaganda it's lie after lie half truth and the crimes of omission and commission and no one's talking about the impact on the environment no one's talking about the impact on national security giving tens of millions of people lawful status without the ability to interview anybody what vetting process is that? It's nonsensical. You know, false security. The only thing worse than no security is false security. So we're going to flood America with all these kids. We're going to flood America with people that have to go to school. The Congressional Budget Office did a study about 15 years ago that found that it costs 20 to 40% more to educate kids who can't speak, read, or write English. What happens to the school system when we flood American schools with tens of millions of children? What happens when they grow up and join the labor pool and we're automating more and more jobs as artificial intelligence becomes more advanced and more prevalent? I mean, this isn't a hard thing to figure out. We don't need tens of millions of new immigrants. 
Is that in the best interest of the average American? And the answer is a very clear, resounding answer. No, absolutely not. So that's not to say I'm anti-immigrant. As it is, we admit roughly a million new immigrants every year, and we admit tens of millions of temporary visitors every year. So we're going to throw that all out the window, and we're going to blur the distinction between people who are here legally and illegally, and in that regard, look at what New York City has just done. They have voted to allow immigrants to vote in in municipal elections, which I believe is probably unconstitutional, but I'm not a constitutional scholar. Why are we so devaluing citizenship? The Biden administration and the Build Back Better wants to hire tens of thousands of IRS agents, but not a single ICE agent. In fact, the ICE agents have been told not to do their job. Violate the tax law, we will come for you. Violate the immigration laws, we'll give you citizenship, and we will pay you, and we will treat you like you've never been treated in your life. What are we doing? Who in their right mind would want to immigrate to the United States legally when you look at what we're turning America into? And why is there a war by our own government against its own citizens? DHS worries about homegrown terrorists, but not a word in their bulletins about the potential that foreign terrorists from ISIS or al-Qaeda will come to the United States now that Afghanistan has once again been turned into a base of operations for ISIS and al-Qaeda because of Biden's massive betrayal in Afghanistan. So the concern is that Americans might be domestic terrorists, especially if they stick up for their children and they're not happy with the curriculum the kids are being taught. The FBI will probably knock on your door. Outrageous. God help the parent that's concerned about his or her child's future or education, which is one and the same. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. And it's remarkable and worrying that very few people even realize that the massive amnesty that is attached to Build Back Better would all by itself irrevocably undermine national security, public safety, the environment, the economy, and the jobs and wages of Americans. It's not that far-fetched a request that an environmental impact study be conducted before the Congress or the Senate, in this case, votes. What I would really love for you to do is reach out to your senators. Look at the article that I've written. Please forward it to your members of Congress, to the senators, to your neighbors. And when you speak to your neighbors, I keep saying the same thing. This is the holiday season. Even with COVID, I know we're getting together. We're seeing people that we haven't seen in quite some time. The people that disagree with you aren't the enemies. The people that worry about the poor immigrants, that's fine. They're compassionate. That's probably why you became friends with them in the first place. They need to understand that they're being bamboozled. They're being conned. Be gentle about it. I always like to start out saying it's admirable that you worry about taking care of those who can't care for themselves. And while we're on that topic, think about rampant crime. The criminal justice system is supposed to protect the victims. Remember they had that program on the special victims unit? So what are we now going to have, the special criminal unit? It's astonishing that you have prosecutors on the state and federal level in this wacky era, or era as the case may be, E-R-R-O-R, who think they're on a mission from God to liberate the criminals. 
if you really are worried about social justice, and this comes back again to immigration again, then we need to make certain that American children have every opportunity for a quality education so they can burst out of poverty. Many people get caught up in crime when they live in tough neighborhoods, and it's about survival. I know as an agent I spent a lot of time in some pretty tough neighborhoods. As I asked Bob Goodlatte when he was the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee and the Republican, I will remind you, I said to him, you know, Bob, I, I, or Mr. Chairman, as I called him, I was trying to get him to listen. God help us all. He's an immigration lawyer, by the way, which speaks volumes. I said, if you go into those buildings that are infested by rats where there's no heat in the, sum, in the wintertime and no air conditioning in the summer and bullets are whizzing by the windows and the buildings are infested not only with vermin like, like rats, but insects where you flip a light switch on and the whole wall seems to move because there's that many bugs infesting these buildings. I said, if you live under those conditions, my question is, if you're a young person, not what would you be willing to do to get out of that house, what wouldn't you be willing to do? And often, all too often, the easiest way out is to become involved in illegal activities. If you want social justice, then it starts with how we raise our children. If you go back and watch Shark Tank, and I hope you will, and by the way, there's a wonderful product, uh, three children whose father died. He was a fireman. It's a cutting board. I don't normally put in plugs for products, but if you look it up, it was very interesting. My my wife and I bought one of these. Um, but the sharks that are on the program, they, they're, they're phenomenal, and so many of them came from poverty, but they will talk about a mother or a father who gave them the guidance, gave them the encouragement, gave them the discipline so they could be quintessentially successful. Maybe we ought to be teaching children in school when they have the health ed classes what kind of responsibilities go with parenthood. Maybe that's something that we need to do at this stage. When you have so many people, so many young men in, in, in the tough neighborhoods um, having children with so many different women. That's not a good equation. That's not going to work well. We need to value the children. The children are as precious as they come. My kids mean everything to me, as do my grandchildren. Um, for a while, I was a single parent. And, and I'm proud that my kids all went to school, all got degrees, all graduated with honors, and all have amazing careers. Two engineers, a school teacher, and, and, and uh, another of my kids works for a publishing house. But you've got to work with your children. Just having children isn't the solution. We need to have respect for our children. We have to hold them in high esteem and do everything we can to encourage them and nurture them. That's the solution to gangs. Gangs are the result when children need to create a surrogate family because they don't have a real family of their own. That's frequently how kids get caught up in gangs or they get intimidated by the gangs. I mean, you look at MS-13 and their slogan is rape, kill, control. I mean, think about that one. So out of intimidation, some kids get dragged into the gangs. How is that in the best interest of the children of America, the immigrant community? And you see criminals from all over the world coming to America because human nature is human nature. When you have an open border as we do, we have no idea who's here. And what Joe Biden has done is to flood the system with so many illegal aliens, it will take decades, if ever, to dig out of the hole that he dug for America. Why aren't Americans outraged? 
the idea that we're going to let people violate our borders and violate our laws, provide opportunities for record quantities of narcotics and criminals to flow into the country is an act of national suicide, and yet no one is depicting it that way. And we need to. And we need to. The immigration laws, if you go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, it makes it abundantly clear the purpose for the laws. It has not a word about race or religion or ethnicity. If it did, I couldn't have enforced those laws for 30 seconds, let alone 30 years. It's about keeping out aliens who have dangerous communicable diseases. Think of COVID and think how they flooded America with aliens who have not been inoculated or vaccinated, may even be suffering from COVID or other dangerous diseases, right? So it's about keeping out aliens with dangerous communicable diseases, mental illness, criminals, terrorists, spies, human rights violators, fugitives from justice, uh, aliens who engage in human trafficking and drug smuggling, aliens who have become a public charge or if they work, would displace Americans. When we talk about or they talk about modernizing the immigration law, they want to eliminate that section that says that we can't bring aliens in if there are Americans ready, willing, and able to do the job. They want to eliminate that to make it completely official that Americans will forever be, you know, looked down upon and forced to compete with third world workers who are willing to work for a fraction of what should be a standard wage or an expected wage in the professional areas. This is nuts. This is not how you build a country. It's how you destroy a country. And unfortunately, too many politicians have taken the money of the campaign contributors who don't care about America but just care about the bottom line. It's outrageous. We, the people, have to change this conversation. It starts with speaking to our friends and our neighbors and our relatives and by reaching out to our senators, many of whom may not even realize what the real implications of this amnesty attached to Build Back Better would mean for the United States. I think I lay it out pretty effectively in my articles. Please share those links. Forward them to everybody. Ask them to do the same. Be part of what I call my bucket brigade of truth. Also, please share the link to this podcast with as many people as you can. Knowledge is power. Now, you may disagree with me, and that's fine. But if you read my articles, you know that I provide you with information Almost like footnotes, I provide the links to other sources of information to verify that what I'm telling you is accurate. Facts are simple. Our government should be most focused on doing what's in the best interest of both America and the average Americans. I don't think that that's too big a deal. It certainly shouldn't be. If it wasn't for the rampant corruption that we face, because today... Uh, we're getting the best government money can buy. I've often joked, in fact, that maybe what we really need is to have a new position in the government, the official auctioneer, because that seems to be where we are today. I thank you for joining me. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. And meanwhile, folks, please remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. See you next week.